0: It's wonderful when you stand up to preach, and what you're about to preach on has just been demonstrated in front of you. So what we've what we've seen is a, a wonderful example of what I'm going to speak on today. So the gift of prophecy. So we're currently working through a series on gifts of the Spirit um, as part of a series called Deeper. Our desire as a church is to go deeper into the works of God and deeper into God himself. Just read to you from Isaiah 54. This is the verse that God's been speaking to us for a number of years now. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Now, in the message, that last part, strengthens your stakes, says, Drive the tent pegs deep. So that's the idea of where we're talking about deeper. It's about strengthening ourselves in God for everything that is coming. So we're going to look at prophecy, and there's going to be three sort of parts to it. Depending on where the Holy Spirit leads us, it might be less or more. But um what I want to do first is have a very quick look at prophecy in the New Testament. Okay, prophecy we can see is right throughout the New Testament. It's a bit like a stick of rock. If you cut it in half, it's prophecy all the way through it. Then we're going to look at some key passages in one Corinthians twelve and fourteen on prophecy, the gift of prophecy itself. And then I want to talk about some practical applications of prophecy. How do we actually do it? What does it mean? What do I do if God gives me a word in a meeting? All those sort of things that you, you might sort of feel you need some help with. So, let's go. So, from the, the first scene that we have is in Luke chapter 2. Jesus, as a baby, is brought into the temple. Both Simeon, a righteous man and Anna, a prophetess, both well advanced in years, come and prophesy over the infant child. Simeon declares Jesus as a light for revelation to the Gentiles. In John 1, Jesus himself, at the start of his ministry, prophesies over Nathanael. He says, he will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Later, in Matthew 16, when Peter confesses Jesus as Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by a man, but by my father in heaven. And then he prophesies over him. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. So we see prophecy at the beginning of Jesus' life and in his ministry. Then we come very quickly to the book of Acts, Acts 2, which we're all very familiar with. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the church at Pentecost. And to explain what's happening to the crowd, Peter reads from, or speaks from Joel 2. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So prophecy is bound up with the outpouring of the Spirit. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit has actually been poured out. It's something that shows that God's been moving. We actually see that very clearly in Acts 19 when Paul goes to pray for the disciples at Ephesus to receive the Spirit. Luke says, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Prophecy was already central to Paul's ministry. If you remember when Paul um, had, had the experience on the road to Damascus, he was in Damascus and Ananias was sent to him. And Ananias is told to tell Paul, he is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And lastly, a little bit like this morning, in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas are sent out by the church. And we're sending out scarlet this morning. But before that happened, it says, while they were... Fasting and worshipping the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. Later on in Acts 21, we hear about Philip's daughters. He has um, unmarried daughters who prophesy, four unmarried daughters. And then moving on to 1 Timothy, Paul speaks to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight. Holding on to faith and a good conscience. So, Timothy has had prophecies spoken over him, a little bit like we're prophesying over Scarlet there. And finally, just to wrap it all off, we get to the right to the end of the New Testament. What do we get? The book of Revelation. Revelation one three says, "Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy." So the whole book is a prophecy. So you can see very quickly we've looked through the New Testament. Prophecy is all the way through it, and there's a few keys in that. Prophecy brings revelation. So Jesus is revealed when he's brought to the temple. Jesus reveals to Peter what his ministry is going to be. He's going to be the rock, the rock on which Jesus builds the church. It also comes at key points in people's lives. That's why I love Scarlet being here. When people are being sent out, the prophetic word is moving to tell the church what to do. The church at Antioch is told, send out Saul and Barnabas. And then Timothy, if we think about that word that Paul gave to Timothy, that must have been looking back to another time when he'd been prophesied over, probably at the beginning of his ministry. Very significant points in our lives when that prophetic is moving. So through prophecy, identities are confirmed and destinies are revealed. So prophecy is very important. So what I want to do now is turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to have a a look at some very key verses here because it's very important for us to look at what the Apostle Paul says about the gifts of the Spirit. So from chapter 12, verse 1, you might want to in your Bibles now turn to that passage because we're going to be staying in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 now. Very important statement. Now, about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Let's read that again because it's very important. Now about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. second one, we'll come back to that in a minute, is from chapter 14, verse 1. The other pillar I would have, two pillars that Paul's got here. 14, verse 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So these are Paul's two great injunctions about spiritual gifts. He does not want us to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And I believe this is a word to the church in the 21st century. Large parts of the church believe that the spiritual gifts ended uh, at the time of the apostles. Paul speaks prophetically now. Do not be ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. Do not be ignorant. Secondly, from chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Especially the gift of prophecy. It's nice when you get the one to speak about which has the especially in front of it. (coughs) It doesn't mean that you forget the others, but um, it's nice when it's emphasized. So, two parts this follow the way of love. It's all got to be done in love. Secondly, we should eagerly desire these gifts. So if we think about the first thing that Paul said, do not be ignorant. He's perhaps talking more about the head. Don't be ignorant. I want you to know what they are. Use your head, you know. But the second part, eagerly desire is about the heart. God wants us to have a desire because desire is about the heart. God wants us to eagerly desire. So not just desire spiritual gifts, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So it's really important. This is something that, Paul is emphasizing, interestingly, to probably the church that was most active in the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah? If you read the New Testament, it wasn't like, I'm writing to a church that's never moved in the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to start. This church is renowned for prophecy and everything. And we are quite, you know, we have an experience of it. But I really believe that's the same for us. We don't just rest on our laurels. No. We need to move deeper. We need to eagerly desire those gifts of the Spirit. So why are gifts important? It's because of the nature of who God is. God is a giver. Okay? God is a giver. And we see that throughout the Trinity. God the Father gave us his Son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus gave his life. As we've been singing about celebrating communion about this morning. He gave his life for you and for me. And when he died and res- was resurrected and ascended, he poured out the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Spirit. So the Father gives the Son, the Son gives the Spirit, and then the Spirit gives us the gifts. And it's, it's this wonderful sequence of what God does. And it's, it's all about the heart of the Father to want to give. But the great thing is that it doesn't stop at the Spirit giving the gifts we are able to use those gifts to give God's blessing to others. So it keeps going. There's this dynamic happening here. So God is always giving. I'm not going to bring it up because I think we're aware of it, but in 1 Corinthians 12... Um, when Paul lists the gifts of the Spirit, we have the gift of prophecy. But I think we've seen that before. So we're going to move on to, towards 1 Corinthians 14. So it's one of the one of the gifts in that list. But I just want to move, before we get into 14, to 1 Corinthians 13. As I said before, love is so important. And it can be no coincidence that Paul put chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which speaks about love, in between these two important passages about the gifts of the Spirit. The gift of prophecy is always to be exercised out of love and in love. For the church or for the individual that we're bringing the word to. It should never be to condemn or to control. Hence it should never bring shame or embarrassment. We need to be very careful there. And I think perhaps the greatest verse on prophecy is... This one, actually. It says, it's a warning to us. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So there's no point becoming a, you know, an expert in this gift of prophecy if there's no love in there because you are nothing. You are nothing. I'm looking at it that way. <laughs> you are nothing. It's so important. As we're going to read in a minute, the church needs this gift. The gifts of the Spirit, as we go, as we see in 1 Corinthians 12, are for the common good. There's a purpose in them. And we need those gifts if we're going to get built up. So let's look at some of the verses, key verses in 1 Corinthians 14. So I'm going to read through. Not the whole chapter, but some of the key verses um, that speak about the gift of prophecy. And then we're going to look at some of the practicalities. So it's important for us to see what the scripture says. So, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utter mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And then on to verse 22. Signs then, sorry, tongues then are a sign for believe, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and someone who does not understand comes among you, or some unbelievers come in, Will then they not say that you're out of your mind. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, explaining God is really among you. That's what we want to see happen. And then quickly going down to Verses 26 and 29. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Finally, from verses 31 to 33 for all of you can prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets for god is a god of god is not a god of disorder but of peace so I wanted to read those because they they are that's the scriptural background that we have it's like our backbone we this is where we 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 draw our our theology of the gift of the spirit from so prophecy is a gift which is To edify the church. To build up the church. Tongues is primarily to edify yourself. Sometimes we'll have a tongue brought in a meeting, but it needs to be interpreted. But the prophecy doesn't need interpretation because it's in our own language. So, if I was um, in school, somebody might put their hand up and say, okay, that's all fine. So what is prophecy? What is the gift of prophecy? What does it actually mean? What are we actually talking about? And there'll be some people here, you're very familiar with this gift, but I think there'll be others perhaps who've never heard of it before or you just don't know what it it is. So I've got a, a, a definition. It's hearing something from God and communicating it to the church or to an individual. It's God's now word. It's revelation. God revealing something he is saying or going to do. It's helpful in this respect to look at what the word Word means in the New Testament. There's two words, Greek words used for word in the New Testament. There's logos and rhema, okay? The logos, logos refers to the written word of God that is true for all time. Whereas rhema refers to God's spoken word for a particular situation. So you've got logos and rhema. And what we're dealing with here is the rhema word of God. What is God saying now? What is his word to you today? His rhema word will never contradict his written word. It will always be in line with it. But it comes with an urgency and a freshness that we need. Now, we had a great example last Sunday of this rhema word. If you were here, um, Janet Lawrence was sharing a testimony how God had been dealing with her um, in the area of fatigue. And then unexpectedly, as she was... Waiting before the Lord, he said to her, "Go to Turkey." So she's going to Turkey. So that's an example of a, a rema word. Now we know in God's Word that it says in Matthew twenty-eight, "Go into all the world." Well that's, that's Matthew fifteen. Go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight. Yeah, and I will, and it goes on. I'll be with you forever. So Jesus says, we know that's written down. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is God's Logos well, there's a lot of nations. (laughs) But Janet receives a word which says, go to Turkey. She knows exactly where God wants her to go. So the rhema word is God speaking to a particular person at a particular time, and in this case, about a particular place. And it's very specific. So that's what it is. But how, how do we do it? You know, well, one really important truth that I think we need to get a hold of if we're going to move in prophecy is that God speaks to us. And it says in John 10, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. And it's a normal thing. So if you think about sheep, if they didn't listen to the shepherd, they're left behind They'd be somewhere on a hillside somewhere. They, they have to know the voice of the shepherd so they can follow him. And in other places, it talks about somebody else coming on them, not recognizing that voice because that's not the shepherd. And I believe today that if you are somebody who perhaps you've not felt, you've heard God before, you need this truth that God speaks to his children. It is normal and it is natural for us as children of God to hear his voice. So why why do we have it? And we've had that in this verse. Why do we need prophecy? It says it we need it to be encouraged, to be strengthened and to be comforted. And if we all are honest, we all need those three things. Maybe all the time really, certainly some of the time. Even on a Sunday morning we may come in here and we just need that encouragement. God, will you speak to me? Will you strengthen me? Will you lift me up? So how does it happen? just want to talk through some practicalities now. So it says in verse 29 that two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh the word that is spoken. So there's an idea here. There's two or three contributions and then they're weighed. So there's a weighing of what's going on. Uh, just to make sure that they are in line with scripture. Is this God? Are they aligned? What we see here often is that there'll be two or three contributions and actually they build on each other. They're in line with each other, and they take us somewhere as a church, yeah And we see that's the way that God moves the meeting. He, he will use the prophecy to take us where He wants to go. It brings us direction. Let's give you one example, which um, I want to share from when we went to the Middle East um, last October. And I was leading the team. We had a long journey in, in the plane. And uh, we'd arrived in Abu Dhabi. And we were then the next day going to go off to this conference in Dubai. And I was all zealous. And I said, I was thinking, right, we've arrived. Right, I'll get everybody up really early. And we'll go. we we'll have a big prayer meeting. Because uh, I, I like praying. And, um, you know, we, we need to pray for this conference. We spend a good couple, you know, hour or so. We'll be, and then Richard wonderfully brings this word via WhatsApp and says, don't run before you can walk. <laughs> And God spoke to me so powerfully through that word that what he wanted us to do was just have a little bit of time to acclimatize. Get get used to being somewhere different. Recover from our flight. And uh, then we could go to the conference. But it was a, it was a check on me just to say, um, you know, you need to learn to walk before you can run. And it was a really timely word. So just an example from my life last year of what, how it can help. So bringing a prophecy on a Sunday morning and uh, some people you will have done that some people uh, maybe it's new to you but if you feel that God is saying something to you there's a couple of things you can do you can test it and say is this in line with God's word yeah good good do I think it's just for me or is it for the church is there something wider than this and that's always a good thing to think you know is, is God speaking to, just for me or is this for the church Okay, so you've done that. So, yeah, okay, God, think it's for the church. Take a deep breath and you should you come to the front and share with one of the, the elders that you feel that God's got something that uh, He wants you to share. And the elders will help you with that. So, if they feel that that's the right thing to do, and most of the time it, it will be, that you'll get an opportunity to share. But it might be that it's just not the right time in a meeting. Okay? And that's okay. But sometimes, because we're human, it's not always easy to deal with being rejected. Even the, you know, even people who've brought prophecies for for years, it's, you come up to the front, you're certain you've heard God. Of course you've heard God because you, you know what God's saying. But they say, well, actually, no, no, not, not now, no, no. And I'm being really honest with you. Sometimes you, you just think, you know, that, that, it's a hard emotional thing, just think, actually, okay, okay, God. But it's really, really important because we have our eldership to protect us and they have a position uh, of authority here. And they are here for our good. And one of the things that we need to learn as a body is to submit to their authority. And this is a wonderful opportunity to do that. So if they don't feel it's quite the right time, you submit to that authority and you just give it to God. And God will maybe use that word another time. Uh, or maybe you can just enjoy it yourself. <laughs> but as I said, most of the time, it is, there's the opportunity to share. But it's important just some of these practical things. Other the practicalities that once you've said what god's go- given you to say stop yeah <laughs> it's quite easy to think oh right what do i do now uh, right uh, you know i want to make you know i want to explain it a bit or if there's a te- can be a temptation to embellish it and just sort of put another bit in there but stop just stop <laughs> move on and let god take the word because it's god ultimately who's going to use that word you don't have to you're not responsible for how that word ends up yeah you're responsible for giving it, but not for the response. And I love the illustration. I think John brought this first. Um, it's like a postman, right? So the postman has the responsibility to deliver your post. He doesn't have the responsibility. In fact, he's not allowed to open your post, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you, you, you should open your post. It could be a council tax bill. I shouldn't mention that. Um, <laughs> cost of living and all that. But it, it, you have to open your post. And if it's telling you to do something, you have to do that. You know, that's, you, know, you need to pay your council tax. You need to respond to the message. But the, the prophecy, in that prophecy, it's the you're like that postman. You're bringing something to somebody else, which you believe is for them, and then you leave it with them. So your responsibility is to just do what God has called you to do. And I love one of the things that Mark DuPont said when he was here. Um... You just have to learn to do what God says. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. And after a lot of struggling, I'm getting somewhere along that line. <laughs> but there's sometimes a lot of fighting in it, but but it's good. God, it's very simple and very obvious. God always knows best. <laughs> so, why are we so thick? It's just... <laughs> We're all learning. So, just a couple of other... Things about how we hear God, sometimes it might just be a scripture that comes to mind, sometimes it will be a word that comes to mind, and sometimes it will be a picture. Now last week we had Simon Turner come speak to us on Habakkuk, and we were encouraged to go away and read that. so to reading that book at the beginning of chapter two, Habakkuk says this: He says, "I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look and see." what he will say to me, and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk is saying, I will stand on my watch, and I will look to see what he says to me. So you see the link there between he's looking, but by the seeing something, God is speaking to him. So often God will use a picture. It might be something that you've seen in you know, your, your everyday life, but God will highlight that and speak through a picture. I think the most important thing in terms of hearing God is your relationship with him. And it's staying close to God. If you're close to somebody, you're much more likely to hear what they're saying. If I'm close to my wife, I'll hear what she's saying. I know how she's feeling. By spending time with her, I know what she's thinking and feeling. You know, I could ask her a question But if I just spend time over that period of time spent with her, I might find out something that I wouldn't have found out by not being there. And I do believe that it's so important for us to be spending that personal time with God, to develop our relationship with him. And in doing that, we learn what God's voice is like. So like that sheep listening to his voice, you learn what it sounds like. And you learn God's voice for yourself. And So when you come into a meeting and God speaks to you, It's not something completely brand new. It's just a continuation of your life with God and who you are in him. So finally, and Alan likes finally, but remember the finally's in scripture. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what do you do if you've received the word? Because it's important. If perhaps you've never received the prophecy, somebody brings you a prophecy. It's very important that you test that word. Yeah. We've talked about weighing prophecy before. So, tests. Is it in line with Scripture? Yes or no. Key thing. If it's not in line with Scripture, you should reject it. (laughs) But another encouragement to you is, well, how do you know it's in line with Scripture if you've not really read Scripture? So, uh, my uh, other plea to you is, please be men and women of the Word of God because that is how you will know what God's Word is. Both to test prophecy, but also to bring it. Is it in line with what God's doing in your life now? Does it it ring true with you? And usually it does. Yeah, and usually it's, yeah, God knows something about me that nobody else knows. And he's spoken it through somebody. And it's a wonderful encouragement. And most of the time, 90% plus of the time, that's what it will be. But there can be words that are unhelpful. And you should feel free just to put them to one side and move on. It's very important that we give ourselves that freedom. Wonderful. So, I just want to leave us with a challenge, really. Paul says we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Are we doing that? Are we eagerly desiring them as a church? And I'll add on, especially the gift of prophecy, but this whole series about the gifts of the Spirit. Is that what our heart is? It's not love or gifts of the Spirit. It's not seeking the giver or the gifts of the Spirit. It's everything together. God wants us to be people of love, seeking his face, but as part of that, we will seek his gifts. Some people here may be familiar with prophesying. You may have prophesied for years and you continue to do so. We'll do so more and more, yeah? Go for it, yeah? That's what Paul says to the church. You know, if you're doing good, keep going, do so more and more. He also says to the Philippians that uh, they should not... Um, stop doing what they've already attained, yeah? So if you've learned to prophesy, keep going, yeah? But I also want to speak perhaps to people who you've learned in the past, you've prophesied, and that gift has waned, okay, over time. So I'm not after the reasons why that is. That's not really important because what God wants to do today is, is bring that gift back to you, yeah? It's a gift. It's not something that you earn, And God wants you to just enjoy using that gift. Because prophecy is actually one of the most wonderful gifts because you get to encourage, comfort, and strengthen other people. And it's a real privilege to do it. But I also want to encourage you, if you've never been baptized in the Spirit, please come forward for prayer today. Because baptism in the Spirit is like the doorway into the gifts of the Spirit. As I read earlier on, You know, as the Holy Spirit is poured out, speak in tongues and prophesy. And as Joel said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The sons and daughters will prophesy. It's for everyone. God wants us to prophesy. And finally, really, just to read some verses to you. God is a good father and he wants to give us good gifts. Just get these. So I'll, I'll just do it. But, um, in, in, I think, both Matthew and Luke, it says, Jenny's going to guess what the verse is. <laughs> Jesus says, If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give his gifts to you? And in another version of it, Uh, gospel, it says, how much more will you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is a good father, and he wants to give good gifts to you, yeah? So what we're going to do, we're going to have a time of, um, if the band could come back up, we're going to have a time of prayer and ministry. I've got a particular group that I'd love to to pray for. Um, I'm not sure if we've done this before, but um, I'd like to pray uh, like people, anybody who is um, 70 or above. Now, if you're too embarrassed to come out and you're 70 above, then don't. But, but what I want to do, I want to recognize this generation. Because this generation is a generation that has lived through um, a massive transformation in our church life. The gift of the Spirit were restored to the church through their lifetime. Yeah, God has moved powerfully. And we, we must not lose what God has given to us. And also, church life has transformed. So, as they're playing, I would love you, if you are in that age bracket, over 70, um, would you please come forward? And what I would like, if you are under the age of 25, okay, I would like you to come and pray and prophesy over them, okay? And what we're looking for, if we go back to the very beginning, if you remember Simeon and Anna, both of them were in the latter... Later years of their life, but they were as fresh as ever before, because they recognised what God was doing in their day, and they got involved with it. And I, what I would love to see is you, those people in that age bracket. Tony, are you in that age bracket or not? Or oh, you can come anyway. Uh, um, anybody else in that age bracket, you come. Just come forward if you're, if you feel that you'd like to be prayed for. And what, what we're going to pray for is that God will continue and increase what he's doing. I know that Alan is not in this age bracket, okay, without embarrassing him. <laughs> but, okay, but also, oh, but before we go into the song, if, if you're one of those people who've never prophesied before and you would like to learn to prophesy, I would also like you to perhaps come over to this side and we will pray for you. So the ministry team will come over to this side and we'll pray for you. Also, if you're somebody who's prophesied in the past, but perhaps that gift has, has waned and you want to move in it again, we also come out to this side and we want to pray for you that God will, will help you grow in that again, okay? And finally, if you're somebody who's never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you want to be baptized in the Spirit, would you come to my left? Uh, And you're right. And we will pray for you there, for God to pour out his spirit on you. So it's lovely. Thank you. Right. So if you are under 25, will you please come and pray for these guys? Come up now, please. And we just want to pray and prophesy over them right now. Yeah, if you've got children, you need to collect them in the next two minutes. Thank you. Okay.